0: Welcome everyone to the Healing Place podcast. I am your host, Terry Welbrock. Excited to have you here with us listening in and also excited to have another wonderful guest. I will be doing some introductions in just a moment, but just wanted to welcome you here first to this space filled with motivation and inspiration and healing stories. All right, everyone. Today I am extremely excited to have with me, um, and now I've lost the connection, hold on, oh there you are, I see your face. We're trying this Zoom app, which is really cool, and I'm, I'm learning how to use it, somebody else taught it to me, and so uh, today I have with me Elizabeth Perry of Interpersonal, what is it, Interpersonal Insights, insights. I was like, Connections, no, that's not it, <laughs> Interpersonal Insights, all right, so welcome, excited to have you.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was really nice that uh, you reached out to invite me on.
0: Yes, and you're located in Nova Scotia? I'm actually in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Yeah. Very cool. That's wonderful. Yeah.
1: I love connecting
0: all over the world with people. I think it's wonderful. So tell us to be able to connect
1: with people who have shared values or shared vision or shared interests, right? Yes, absolutely. They're not so close to us. So right. It's nice to be able to reach out around the world. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. So tell us um, about you and your mission and your passions and and what it is that you do.
1: So what I do is um, my my whole my my mission, I suppose, is to inspire people to deal with their stuff, deal with their stuff, so that they can live full, purposeful conscious, um, empowered, effective, meaningful lives. So how do I, how do I do that? Well, it's, it's been a bit of a journey. And um, why do I do it probably starts the journey. So my story start with um, sort of when I was 42, I realized that like everything, absolutely everything that I had uh, believed in, all the relationships that I had, um, my faith, my world view, that everything was just a crock of pickles. It was all just a bunch of lies. And I fell very dramatically on my butt. So having landed there, um without any foundation and um i and part of that uh sort of uh, experience was sort of a spiritual um collapse right? right not on my part but that the practice that i was participating in you know sort of was exposed as being like also a crock of pickles so I didn't even have any existential security, right? Any any sort of faith security. I had to start from ground zero. And and from that I started to sort of realize and question, well, like why did that happen to me? Like I I am a pretty well-informed person. I had been reasonably well educated, I had grown up in what I thought to be a reasonably, um, you know, sort of secure family. I mean, obviously, nobody grows up in a perfect family. And if they do, like, I'd probably have to have a conversation with them. About right, because right. like, I really <laughs> want to be able to create that for myself. But I don't think it's out there. Right. right. But, you know, like, nothing really stood out to me as, um, as being, being something that would make me really, really susceptible to this kind of, um, like complete delusion. And so, you know, sort of, I started to crawl back from the depths, um, rebuilding myself, refinding out, you know, sort of rediscovering, uh, what I believed, um, what I actually believed through my own experience. And, um, what you know, sort of what I was made of, and, and what was you know, sort of what was true, and what relationships that I had that I could keep, and which ones that I had to completely, um, you know, distance myself from. So, it was in this whole just dis- rebuilding process and rediscovering process, I um, I, I, I kind of figured a few things out, and so um one of the things that i that i put on my twitter feed which is eperry or which is you know eperry insights is you know in that when you're describing yourself you know so what i just put there says what i know so what i know without a shadow of a doubt is i know that trauma teaches us lies about ourselves and others i also know that nature knows the truth that life is purposeful and precious, and that being a responsible human is fun, a a responsible caring human is fun. So I learned a few things, and because I learned those things at a very high cost to myself, my mission and my vision has been to make those lessons Um, that, you know, sort of that wisdom available to others. So it's been a bit of a journey to sort of make that available to people. There's been a significant amount of resistance to me, um, you know, sort of talking about trauma and early childhood trauma and um, how it sort of creates the framework upon which we build the rest of our lives, and that you know, for myself, I was extremely surprised to discover that that framework that um, existed, right? Right, that that set me up for all of this, um, this in you know, additional trauma and extensive trauma in my adult life, right?
0: Okay,
1: so so that's where it sort of comes back to that, you know, I really, really, really want people to actually take the bull by the horns and um, deal with their own stuff on a proactive basis, um, sort of acknowledging that, you know, the likelihood that there are skeletons in our foundation um, that are stinking up our worldview. Mm -hmm. And our um, perspectives of ourselves and others is extremely likely. Right. (laughs) right? It's highly likely. In fact, some people say it's universal. Um, That if we can proactively just check ourselves, right? Right. You know, sift through those foundations and, and that sort of awareness Um, And then consciously decide, is this true or is this not? Is this real? Is this not? Is this worthy of me continuing to, um, you know, sort of keep in my, you know, in my worldview or do I need to discard that, right? Um, Because the other thing is, is I'm very, very concerned with what we're doing to the planet for one thing. That would be my first priority. And my second priority is what we are doing as a species to each other. Yeah. Okay. And so I guess my, my ultimate sort of distilled perspective is that I really think that we as humans have developed um, a skewed perspective of ourselves as a species and we are perpetuating that in, and that's what's, you know, and it's wrong, right? That it's wrong, that it's all trauma response, that, you know, it's our, it's our brains that, you know, sort of are a little bit mixed up because of the, you know, sort of the survival that we have, um, the survival uh, mechanisms or whatever that we have developed over our lives and intergenerationally and historically
0: well now that, there's evidence coming in improving that that there is the um inherited that that we are um yeah that we're inheriting trauma um and so there's evidence starting to build on that absolutely and, and
1: again all of that evidence is sort of informing my worldview even even more that that so i sort of look at it and i think oh my goodness like We're actually not who, you know, who we thought we were. And we're all, we're not all like quote unquote, but you know, sort of operating on this survival response. But what's happening is, is we're self-destructing, right? We're destroying planet that is the only thing that sustains us and the, each other, which are our relationships to each other. So I think, and this is my vision, right? I think if we can start to recover from our own trauma, and then we can help each other rec- recover as a species, then can't we then? Is it not possible for us then to actually recognize that you know we we don't have to um, that I, I suppose ultimately that our needs our needs are actually met. You know, Gandhi says right. There is enough for everybody's need. There is not enough for everybody's greed, right? But when you don't have your needs met, what do you do? You over, you know, uh, consume because you never get that need filled because you're consuming the wrong, like stuff that can never possibly that need, right? Um, So, you know, sort of looking at, you know, sort of nature and what's available to us, and the resources, and the you know the dis- the um, the disparity of wealth and um, uh, access to opportunity, and all those kinds of things. You know, I think all of that to me is is sort of solved, and this is theory solved by each of us individually recovering. From our, from our sort of traumas. Yes, right. right. And cleaning out those skeletons in our foundations that are stinking up our worldview and our relationships. And after we do that, then we'll see what happens. Right. (laughs) I really think that that's a lot like, you know, a worthwhile, a worthwhile goal.
0: Yes and so you do peer groups correct
1: so i offer a peer support group and this is again just sort of really me pushing the envelope because i reached out to other organizations and said you know i have this to share and you know it was like nobody wanted to play with me right so eventually i just said well okay then i'm going to make my own game and so i started this peer support group for women survivors of trauma. And it's, an, it's um, you know, it's small. I've had, um, you know, in three months that I've been running it, maybe, you know, 30 different people approach me. Uh, fewer than that have actually attended and fewer still, you know, sort of come on a regular basis. But we, you know, we do get together and it's a consistent thing. It happens every Tuesday evening. And, um, it's an opportunity for people who, women who are interested in building community, right. Building relationships, reestablishing relationships, um, you know, taking that risk, you know, learning a little bit about, you know, how trauma happens and, and, um, you know, how it actually affects us physiologically and, um, and what some of the research is that, you know, sort of gives us the no, uh, ways that we can help to, you know, help ourselves recover from it. Um, uh, and, and sort of just, having the opportunity to talk with people, you know, as Alice Miller says, you know, be enlightened witnesses for each other, right? Like we're enlightened witnesses because we are all trauma survivors ourselves. And so when somebody is having a trauma response, we can recognize it, you know, maybe that sets us off. And now we've got, you know, a couple of people who are, you know, sort of bouncing each other off. But the others of us who observe that can sort of hold that space for that to work itself through, right? So it's a, it's a, um, it's a work in process, in process, in progress, we, um, you know, like I'm, I'm committed, I'm delighted, I'm, um, I'm validated, I feel validated because people have showed up and, and people continue to show up. And, um, and it's, a, it's a new and it's an innovative way to approach it because I know a lot of the professionals would say, like, what the heck are you doing? You can't address trauma in a non-clinical setting like that. And, you know, I mean, we're not telling stories and we're not getting into the deep stuff, but we're trying to, somebody's got to do something. And I believe that peer support is one of those, one of those tiers In a multi-tiered level of support that is absolutely necessary and valuable to mental health and trauma recovery. Absolutely. And this is
0: what I'm innovating in my area. I love it because my, my whole philosophy and my whole approach to my trauma has been to take, I call it building, filling a toolbox. And so, me too. yeah, I feel yeah, I have filled my toolbox. And, you know, nature, as we discussed before we started recording has been a huge part of it for me and reconnecting to nature and that grounding and I do a lot of mindfulness uh, exercises in nature. And there's something very comforting about being surrounded by nature when I go through that. Um, You know, I'll do breathing exercises, I'll do journaling, I have done, you know, EMDR therapy, which is eye movement desensitization and reprogramming. I have done uh, tapping or emotional freedom therapy, I have done, there's so many things. And like I said, I fill my toolbox with things. I I think stories story sharing and storytelling has been a big part of my healing and that's kind of along the lines what you're doing you're allowing these women to come together and share maybe not so much about their traumas if you're keeping the 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 dirty details out of it but you're allowing them to share what's working for them what's helping them heal what's And that, and so it's not taking away from therapists or the role that they play, because I certainly treasure and value the role my therapist, well, both of my therapists played in my journey and my healing. Mm -hmm. Um, But it, it wasn't, that wasn't the only answer it is. has been a it has been this this collection of things that i've done and so i think what you're doing is absolutely beautiful you're helping you're offering another tool for for survivors and and trauma warriors to utilize so fantastic
1: yeah yeah and the other thing for me is it's about raising awareness right Mm -hmm. you know like this business of you know people think it walking around thinking that they got off scot-free like i mean that was me right like when i was and a young adult and you know i first my first career was i and uh post-secondary you know sort of adventure was in learning to be an early childhood educator. And so being an early childhood educator, I learned all about, you know, child development. And and I recognized where my gaps were in my own development, and I worked diligently to fulfill those myself. Yes. Um, obviously, I didn't do that well enough because there were some huge gaps um, that, that I missed. But, you know, I mean... And what's, what I find really, really interesting is, and this is like 40 years ago, right? But that was the stuff that was being taught to us in our early childhood development courses, right? That, you know, there were gaps that we needed to fill in order to be able to move on. And I'm just finishing reading uh, Bruce Perry's book, um, The Boy Who Was Raised as a Dog. And, and man, oh man, like he, in 1987, this is when he started working with, you know, these, these young children and stuff. And like his, his journey parallels mine so much, but I went in a, like mine sort of went off course around that same time. But you know, what he does with his neurosequential model is, you know, sort of re like, get back to those places where development went off the rails yes. and fill in those gaps and, and catch up that, you know, that, the, that development. Right. So it's it like, it just blows my mind that, you know, 40 years ago I knew this stuff, we knew this stuff and like everything is new again, right. Every, right. like Everything that's old is new again. Um, but the, but the, but the truth is that, you know, we all have, Gaps. And I, I just, like, I just cannot think of any human being who got off scot-free. Right. Right? And if you didn't get off scot-free and, you know, maybe things aren't working well in your life right now, or maybe, you know, you've tried a whole bunch of different things, even really, really getting serious about, you know, sort of a spiritual practice. Because I know there's a lot of people out there, and I was probably one of them, where, you know, well, gee, all I need to do is just be more spiritual, and everything will work out, right? Right. Right. But, you know, as Gabriel Mate says, it's easier to be spiritual than it is to be emotionally authentic. And that really came true for me. Because I could be living a very spiritual life, however, and you know, and I did the way that I thought I was doing it, right? But it still did not address those gaps um, in my, you know, sort of in my, um, what is it, cognitive and emotional, you know, sort of psychological Um, you know, comprehension, right? Right. And, you know, we are holistic beings. We are not just spiritual beings. We are not just physical beings. We are not just, you know, sort of intellectual beings. We are holistic beings. And, you know, each of our elements is essential. And sort of getting back into, you know, what you say about, you know, you really find it um, helpful to connect with nature. Well, for me, with everything crashing down around me, all of my relationships, all of my beliefs, all of my, you know, everything that I learned, like nature was the only thing that I could go to that was actually trustworthy. And um, so when I look at, you know, the way human beings are built, you know, all of those elements are part of nature's design in us. So that's not wrong. Right. Right? So when I hear people say, you know, oh, well, that's just ego. we got to get rid of ego and this kind of stuff. And it's like, uh, no, because interestingly enough, when I first went to a psychologist, this was after I'd gone to the psychiatrist and all that, um, you know, and and I talked to him and, and he's like, oh, my gosh, like you have no ego. That's a problem because your ego actually protects you. <laughs> so that was a huge eye-opener for me, because I had bought into the, oh, you know, we got to get rid of ego. Ego is the, you know, is the devil incarnate, right? And um, so then realizing that, no, there is a usefulness for ego. Ego is not, you know, being selfish and, you know, having the world revolve around you. That's, that's not what ego is. But... You know, ego does actually, um, it's part of nature. It's part of our built-in, you know, mechanisms. And it does have a valuable purpose. So it's those kinds of things, right? Nature has built us to be a certain way and there are elements within us that are natural. So I think um, it's our mission, right? And our mandate to sort of figure out how do all of those different elements operate optimally rather than trying to, you know, sort of avoid them or discard them or discredit any of them. But how do each of those elements operate optimally? Yeah. These are the gifts that were given that are part of our natural design. How are they, how, how was, what's the intent for them you know from right. from nature's perspective from and life's if, perspective and if know, trauma, why life give them to
0: us right and right. if trauma has occurred what what has it affected has it affected ego has it affected spirit has it affected you know us on a physical level and so that's when we have to look at trauma and say how has it made it us not living optimally as you're it, stating so exactly. yes and that's yeah. that's what we need to figure out in whatever ways Um, we utilize. And again, I think it needs to be a collection of, um, of tools that we utilize Um, because what works for one person. And I say this when I, when I speak, you know, when I give presentations is that, you know, what, what worked for me isn't necessarily going to work for someone else, but I, I like to offer it all of these things as an option because, you know, that may work for someone else. And it didn't work for me like breathing exercises. When I am having a severe panic attack, which I haven't had one in years, but when I was having really severe panic attacks, everyone would always say, you just need to breathe. You just Mm -hmm. need to breathe. You just need to breathe. I couldn't breathe. Mm -hmm. Focusing on my breath made me focus on my body, which was in a state of terror. And Mm -hmm. I was so afraid to be in my body. So until I learned tools to um, be comfortable in my body, mm-hmm. then I was able to use, start utilizing breathing techniques. But again, it, you, it, we're all individuals. And so, again, we're not cookie cutter patterns of what one thing's going to work for one person is going to work for everybody. So. No,
1: no. And so, I mean, I really like what you're saying about the toolbox, right? Developing the toolbox. And, and that's the way I look at it as well. And collecting a diversity of, of um, strategies, right? Yes. That, as correct. you say, some strategies work for some, others don't. But if you're aware yes. that there are all a variety of strategies and the other key thing, I think that's really important, you know, for somebody like me with my background to emphasize is there is not one solution. There is a multi. The, any individual will require a multitude of um, of, so, of strategies or, um, you know, uh, tools to use in concert with each other in order to get that, you know, sort of that, that harmony, you know, that yes. harmonious music that is just
0: specifically or, you know, distinctly yours, right? Right.
1: Well, I love your word,
0: optimized. I mean, I think optimized is a beautiful word for it. Um, Mm -hmm. And when we can help ourselves to live optimally is just what a great goal to strive for yeah Mm -hmm, very mm -hmm. cool and again you
1: know sort of that goes back to um maslow right you know maslow talking about the need you know our higher Mm -hmm. hierarchy of needs right and you know our ultimate need is self-actualization well self-actualization is fulfilling your purpose right? right right you know like why do you exist you know, yeah. and and I and I love you know Victor Frankl. He talks about you know life has an expectation of us, and um, and what is that expectation of us? You know, and 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 so that it's it's being able to fulfill that expectation. What was it that that life gay, animated me for? Right. Right. Why why did life animate this? You know. This flesh, right? Why did why did life, you know, sort of give me this opportunity to exist, right? right. To to right. you know sort of claim consciousness and experience, you know, physicality and you know in and emotion, right? You know, ride that that roller coaster of emotion. Like, why? What is the what is the value? And also like what is the purpose of the journey that i've actually you know experienced and and that's why i say you know i think my mission is actually to have gone on that journey and to reach back to those who are coming along maybe a similar journey and just give them a little bit more information earlier on than i had. yes So that they can, and I work with a lot of young people and that it just, it just gives me so much hope and it warms my heart so much to just give them just a little bit of a, um, of support and, you know, sort of awareness of some of the factors that may or may not have, you know, be influencing them so that they can. You know sort of figure out for themselves a little bit earlier on in their journey than I learned in mine so they can live their more purposeful intentional conscious um you know uh, destined yes. you know, lives right uh, for a little bit longer than I you right. know than I have right
0: right yeah very cool so one of the questions that I ask is if you could reach you know what, what's your target audience who is it that you you are trying to impact
1: um i mean i sort of had to, to think about that and you know i i guess ultimately i'm i'm i want to reach people who think they got off scot-free right i want to reach those people who are in positions of power who think they have legitimate um, rationale and views for making the decisions that they make that are actually hurtful to others and harmful to the planet. Because I believe any decisions that are made that are hurtful to others and the planet are a survival response As a result of trauma. Okay. And so the other ones, the other people that, you know, ultimately I want to, you know, sort of inspire to kind of look in the mirror just a little bit more intensely, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Are those who, you know, think that they're. You know, they're doing okay, and, you know, everything's wonderful, and, you know, it's all good, and, um, you know, what's going on isn't relevant to me, right? You know, I'm just looking after my corner of the world, and that's all that matters, and, um, you know, I guess around here there's a, you know, phrase, I'm not sure how broadly (laughs) it goes, but you know, if you're not outraged, you're not paying attention, you know, and um, we are not operating exclusively in our own worlds. And,
0: and,
1: you know, yes, in our relationships, you know, if you're snapping at your kids, and, you know, you're not, um, I mean, that's going to have an impact. But, you know, if you're, if you're not getting out there, and, you know, sort of, you know, getting involved with, I don't know, I guess for me, voting is a big thing, right? You know, like, you can't be sitting at home on voting day, you've got to get and vote, because this business of us in our society making the decision, you know, on a 40 or even a, you know, a 60%, um, you know, voter turnout rate, like, I mean, that's just not okay. Right. Um, You know, it's, it's, when we think what's going on in the world isn't about us, we really need to, to check that because right. each one of us, there are seven and a half billion of us on this planet plus, and every single one of us is different. And um, I think there's a message in that, right? There's wisdom in that. We need to, and so each one of us needs to show up and we can't not show up because we think somebody else has it covered. Right. Um, we have to show up because we may be that particular unique voice that is absolutely the game changer in this situation. Right. and we have to first recover from our own traumas and know that we are worthy and our voices are worthy and that we do actually have our unique voice that is relevant and essential to the whole. And then we gotta bring it.
0: Yes, and that, that, it, what instantly popped into my head was the Maslow's hierarchy of needs in that there are so many who are being held down here because their basic needs, that, that level one are barely being met and so they think how can I have an opinion how can I have an impact and so because of where they are in having those needs met um, they feel insignificant and they feel they're just struggling to survive and so um yeah when we as a society and as a as a human race come together to lift one another up and to have those needs met so that all of us can work towards self-actualization that's when we're going to see absolutely a difference in this world exactly and the people in power right with all the wealth Right. right are the ones who are making
1: the decisions to keep that wealth disparity um in check like to existing right and those needs not being met because uh, because it serves them but it serves their greed right. it doesn't serve their need right and which so is we why we have to go back to Gandhi right yeah. and the planet right. right we cannot exploit the planet and each other to fill our own survival, like trauma in like trauma cause yes right, right. um uh, poverty, right? Why do we have to make others poor in order to make ourselves rich? Like it just—it's so misguided. And yes. It's, it's destructive. It's self. De- it's destructive. And what's happening is—is is it's not just destructive. Locally now, it's destructive globally. Right. right. I mean, we which is are... why I
0: love hearing these stories of, um, you know people that step up who are wealthy as individuals who are going into like a neighborhood or going into a you know a, a smaller town or city or whatever and proving proving that investing in people who have been cast aside um, makes such a difference in these people's lives are turning around, and you know the graduation rates of the kids, and the, the 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 decrease in crime, and the decrease in drug and you know alcohol abuse, and so forth. What a huge difference when that investment is made.
1: Completely, completely. So one of the things that I, you know, sort of I watch, and I mean, I don't really advocate an awful lot for, but I certainly do on my, you know, Twitter and and Facebook, um, is, you know, sort of that basic income, right? Yes. I mean, you know, recently Ontario, which is, you know, the province that I grew up in, they started this basic income study, right? And they just, they chose 6,000 people. Um, to receive a basic income for three years. Well, you know, Ontario has just gotten a new government after the first year, and that new premier has just rescinded um, the last two years of that study. So now those 6,000 people who had made some plans that over three years, I'm gonna get myself into a different situation, right? Because I don't have to struggle with, you know, sort of feeding my, myself and my children and, 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 you know, having secure shelter and, and all of that, right? That those people now are sent back into the maelstrom of, um, you know, insecurity again, right? And, and, and so like, to me, that's like, that's an opportunity, right? I put it on my face on my Twitter the other day, like that's an opportunity for people who have, oh, wealth, right? To, to step up. up and finance basic income, Right. And I was thinking this morning, okay, so how can I do this? Because I have all these really crazy ideas that people would say, oh, yeah, you're, you're just such an idealist and you're just such <laughs> right. a, you know, whatever, whatever, right? But, I mean, wouldn't it be great if people who had, you know, wealth actually partnered with families and communities that needed that leg up, right? Just to level the playing field, just a wee bit, Right. right. If, if people who had that actually partnered and sort of reinvested that which they accumulated for no reason other than political policies and, you know, like opportunity and that kind of stuff, right? You know, they accumulated all this wealth at the expense of others, right? And if they just reinvested that and maybe partnered with, with you know, others, to help lift them up, provide that basic income for a three-year period and see what
0: could happen. Like, right. wouldn't that just be awesome? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, when you, as you talked about that, you know, I, I immediately thought, what a great opportunity for, for, for someone with wealth or for somebody to step in and say, all right, we, we're going to make this happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and not from
1: a, you know, a charity perspective or whatever, but as a social responsibility perspective, and also acknowledging that any of us who have advantage and privilege in our lives did not get it on our own. If we have more, somebody else has less. Right. And every single one of us is rich because we've exploited the planet to be so. So if we're going to. If we're going to sort of reset our relationship to nature and each other, we have to re-level the playing field. And in order to do that, how do we how do we go about doing that? Right, helping one another heal. Yeah, we have to we have to acknowledge we have to deal with our own traumas, right, right. and our own survival responses. Yes. and 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 part of dealing with our own traumas and our own survival responses is then acknowledging that, oh, yeah, maybe I have been accumulating this that isn't rightfully mine as a substitute for my real needs. And if I can get my real needs filled from appropriate needs, right, then I can free up that which I have accumulated to um, as a
0: substitute to
1: reinvest and give others an opportunity to rise up as
0: well. Yes. One of the really cool things that I discovered, oh, probably like three years ago or so, was the concept of minimalism. And um, so in applying that, you know, is I I started on my healing journey in 2013, so just about five years ago. And um, when I came across that, I just found it so liberating to, I would... We would go through our home and stuff. We had all the stuff in the basement, just stuff, 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 collecting dust and not being used. And I said to myself, um, what am I saving this stuff for? Um, why can't I let someone else love it? Somebody else need it. Let this stuff be enjoyed. Um, the stuff was created to be used, to be loved, to be needed. And it's, it's not... You know, not that stuff has feelings, but that it it, it wasn't being appreciated. And so we started. Yeah, it does have energy. energy. I agree with that. Absolutely. And so I said, so we started going through all of our stuff and I would just put it out on Facebook and say, free to a good home. I mean, there were record collections and there were, there was all kinds of stuff because one, I didn't want, want it to be about making a profit off of it so much as I wanted to, I wanted to gift this stuff. As a way, one of freeing myself from its grip, mm-hmm. um, of needing to, you know, possess it and hold it and pile it up, and mm-hmm. two, to let it go, enjoy its life, mm-hmm. making someone else happy. And oh my gosh, you know, I had all these. It blew my mind because I had all these twenty somethings. You know, my kids at the time were in their late teens, early twenties, and a bunch of their friends came over, and the joy that they got of going through these old records. You know, of Michael Jackson everything off the is, wall. Everything old is new yeah. Again. And, oh you know, my gosh. And so it was so cool to watch their joy. And so it's just been a really neat experience again, you know, for our, we have a 12 year old daughter now for for other little kids to come along and, you know, f- pick up their her old, you know, unicorn, rainbow, sparkle, princess thing and them to be like, oh my, you know, it, it, just to see their joy. It's It's just. Yeah. It's made it a beautiful thing, but the, but the concept of minimalism is yes to to not need all the stuff to fulfill whatever it was in myself that I at the time. So again, that's another tool. It's been mm-hmm. another healing tool.
1: Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And once and and I think one of the things that really struck me and it, and it often I often find it kind of unnerves people. Right. Like I'm. Um, confident now right i'm pretty confident in myself i told somebody the other day like i'm pretty secure in my insecurities
0: (laughs) right yeah i love that (laughs) like
1: yeah it's a in my insecurities now right? yeah you know because i mean i know what kind of eggs i like you know and i use that reference from you know the uh, runaway bride you know where she didn't know what oh, kind of yeah she, liked right. and she always used to be the chameleon and and then one day she laid them all out on the table and figured out what kind of eggs she liked. so i always use that reference because that's the process that i put myself through with absolutely everything right right and you know, and so I'm pretty secure in my insecurity. So I don't have any need now to sort of pretend that I know something that I don't know. I'm completely comfortable with saying I don't know that right. because I know somebody else does and I'm I you know, I'm pretty resourceful. I can find somebody to fill that gap that I don't fill myself, right? Right. And I don't need to know all this stuff, right? But it's very unnerving to some people for somebody to
0: be so like transparent. Right. I have found that so yes. transparent. <laughs> I put all my shit out there and some people are very uncomfortable with that. Yes. And um but you know, it's it's how I connect with others and I think there's a beauty in that, um, transparency because it does help people connect and heal. But I
1: yeah, and I think it also corresponds with the whole minimalist thing, right? You know, like I am, like I'm I'm like Popeye, right? I am what I am, who I am, whatever, right? right. And I'm completely okay with that. Right. You know, there's a reason I am who I am and what I am and all that, right? And I don't have to make any, you know, defense about it. I don't have to make any, expli- you know, excuses about it or, and I don't have to feel, you know, sort of, I don't have to feel vulnerable about that. Right. But that's very minimalist. Yes. Right. Right. It's very minimalist. It's very basic. Like I don't, you know, I don't have to shore myself up with a whole bunch of other stuff. Now, granted, I have a whole bunch of other stuff, which I used along the way as tools <laughs> to get right. where I am now. Right. Like I'm just writing a piece right now for ACES Connection. And um, just, you know, I, I'm, I'm finding that you know i'm sort of writing it and i'm saying you know like i've got a ton of post-secondary education right and but i use that to prove to myself that i wasn't stupid like i was always told i was right, right. but you know now it, it sort of i prove to myself right yes. so it doesn't matter so i have all that but that's not what defines me right right, right. it was a tool Yes. along the way to give me that consciousness that oh my gosh as brene brown says i really
0: am enough right right oh i love i love the gifts of imperfection yeah great book great yeah. book all right so we are we're running out of time but i i did want to give you an opportunity is there anything else that you wanted to touch upon that we haven't touched upon yet any myths or facts or anything that you want to clarify for listeners
1: um I guess the one thing that I had had written here, um, just sort of in preparation for this is that, you know, work on you, make you number one, figure out you and own you. Once you know, you'll never be lost or threatened again. Yes. And also just sort of acknowledging that what we've been taught about the way that life works may or may not be true. We need to test
0: out those
1: theories for ourselves.
0: Beautiful. Yes, we are not all cookie cutters and we don't fit into these neat labeled little boxes. Um, And we need to figure us out. Yeah. yeah. And that and that
1: we are actually enough, right? Yeah, but that we aren't but, but that we might not actually be completely, right? conscious and aware and, you know, healthy as we think we might be, right? right. And so it's always really really valuable to you know sort of check ourselves check ourselves check our privilege check our check our biases check our viewpoints you know check our worldviews. make sure that we're um you know seeing ourselves and others from a you know so you know so i guess maybe from a from an objective right Right. from an objective perspective and obviously we're inside ourselves But, um, you know, and there's a ton of subjectivity involved in that. But from an objective perspective, right, that, you know, we don't all have it under control. And if we think we do or we're taking control, that's not ours rightfully to take then we probably need to back
0: off a little bit and just sort of see how it all fits together a little bit more harmoniously. Yes, yeah. yeah. And one of the things that just you just triggered for me is the thought that was, you know, some, no, I don't want to say so many, but but people I've met along the way who, have, who live their life with their blinders on, mm-hmm. um, not wanting to know, not wanting to see, you know, I don't care about that, I don't want to know about that, I don't, uh, because... Then I, you know, I always thought, well, gosh, that's so selfish approach. But now I think maybe they have those blinders on because they're not ready to look inside themselves. They're not ready to see that part that they're afraid of. Mm-hmm. Um, and so helping people to, you know, maybe just peek outside those blinders a little bit more and mm-hmm. look beyond them or even look inside themselves to start healing so that mm-hmm. then, then they can take those blinders off and look at the world around them. That's, that's cool
1: yeah and and the other thing that make that you know sort of i'm thinking in response to that is that for those of us who've experienced adverse childhood experiences right for those of us who've experienced you know sort of trauma growing up and and to emphasize i'm not talking about you know sort of physical even physical or you know sort of blatant trauma you know like physical abuse or sexual abuse or or um you know domestic violence i'm not talking about that specifically but those hidden ones the emotional abuse like the humiliation and the isolation and the rejection and the you know the neglect all those insidious little things that tell a child that they are not important enough, they are not worthy, they are not, um, you know, they're not valuable, they're not useful, they don't have anything to contribute. Like there's an awful lot of us walking around with that kind of view of ourselves. And I would just say to anybody listening to that, like that's that crock of pickles I was talking about. Yes, you exist. Life has animated you for a reason. Yes, you have experienced very, very discouraging experiences in your lives. But I promise you, as long as life is still coursing through your your veins, life has confidence in you. Life is supporting you. And life has your back, right? Life has your back. So take the risk to just peek out from behind those blinders, just a teeny weeny 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 little bit. Right. And if you need to, go and hug a tree. Can that? <laughs> right. Hang out with yes. a tree. Get to know which tree. You know, watch the ants walking up and down. Yes. Their You know, it's trunk, you know, like feel the grass underneath your feet, you know, plant yourself solidly on the planet with your feet and open your arms up to the sky. That is you. That is your place. You are supportive. Life has you in its arms. Anything anybody else says to dispute that is lying to you.
0: Amen, sister. I love it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Well, it has been uh, just a joy having you on here. Thank you so very much. So insightful and um, absolutely wonderful. So thank you again.
1: So all I would just say, check me out on Facebook.
0: I'm check losing you. Hold on a second. We're, we're... Facebook.
1: I have it as Elizabeth Perry interpersonal insight. Oops, sorry.
0: No, that's fine. We're um, having a little yeah. de- having a little delay.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um, so Facebook in Elizabeth Perry interpersonal ins
0: and Twitter at Elizabeth Perry Insights. Okay, wonderful. And I'll put all that. I'm going to put it on uh, my the Facebook page. I'll put it out on Instagram. I'll put it on all of my connections, and uh, we'll, I'll get with you via email. And yeah, just send me all those links, and um, I'll put it out there for everybody so they can get. Great. And
1: and for people who are not in the Halifax area and can't participate in the peer support group, they can contact me for one-on-one peer support
0: awesome that's wonderful well wonderful okay Okay. well thank you so very much well thank you terry hold on i'm gonna pause this on the other end and uh hold on one second all right thanks everybody it uh i will catch you next week and until then be gentle with yourselves